I'm SJ. I'm AJ. And we the Connected Experience. Bro, what's the Connected Experience? It's a lifestyle, the lifestyle, our, our lifestyle. lifestyle. How, so, that li- how that lifestyle treat you? Hey, listen, man. <laughs> just, listen, that's not uh, your uh, line. Yeah, that's where we get to it. You making it job, jobby, dog. Like, no, you feel me? You know how I feel about uh, repetitiveness, man. This is my job. Hey, you know what? This is a special episode for us, man. Like, this is, uh, first of all, this is the first time that we actually met this brother but we've been doing we've been keeping it solid for a long time you we've know been what doing business for a long time we've together. been doing business for a long time and he actually seen something in us just from listening like what we always said we wanted hey man why nobody ever check our shit out and fuck with us right and basically right. that's what happened you know what i'm saying so i don't even know if he ever really sat down and, and did nothing with nobody do you think i ain't uh, heard nothing yeah no i don't think he did a whole episode with nobody yeah but, so you know Thank you for this exclusive. Yeah, you know what I'm home saying? of the exclusive. Home of the exclusive. So, sure. you uh, before we introduce our guests, uh, what you been? What, hey, you know what, bro? We in L.A., dog. So you know what it is, man. We go get some good smoke, man. Looking for something good to eat. The spot I wanted to go to close already. Yeah, me too, you know man, what I'm me saying? Too. So, and how do we get put up on our food in L.A.? We got to be honest with this shit. What, what do we know that we wanted to eat? From mean? listening to bad luck, man. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. But I also knew I wanted to go to that one spot since last time. Yeah. See, like when we come to LA, it just be the shit days. be so far apart that just to make sure you get everything you want to eat, you got to come for four days. Yeah, and then I thought that Uber Eats would be popping. We went to Fat Burger last night. It was Huge trash. Thumbs down. Yeah, you know it was what I'm trash. saying? That shit was just trash. No disrespect to Fat Burger. That shit just All wasn't disrespect hit. to the meal, though. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, no but you know, you might just call it a bad one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you got a word yeah i do got a word man my word is perspective the state of one's ideas the facts known to one and having meaningful interrelationships and mine is logic characterized by or comparable of clear sound and reasoning you know what i'm saying because we speak with logic from a perspective that a lot of people don't speak from man and it take a lot to stand on anything you say man and you know we like to fuck with solid people man so yo yes mean yes yo no mean no you know yeah, what i'm and saying i think uh perspective also come by uh the way two you was things. raised the way you was raised and then the the person you want to be because you could be raised a certain way but know that i want to be better than that or i want to be worse than that you you always notice that the kids who parents like really work to get them out the trenches like want to go back to the hood like this yeah, is what yeah, we yeah, saved yeah, you from yeah, yeah, but we got a guest man yeah we do you know what i'm saying cool. uh but you know what we do get you know what i'm saying we got a motherfucking book coming out we, we do have three man. 320 uh the yeah. urban fantasy game will change i'm yeah. uh like i said on a previous episode it's on site with the book industry and what yeah. i mean by it's on site with the book industry the same way to be on site if we was out here doing anything that we ain't had no business doing right it's on site with the book industry you know what i'm saying and that's another one we go win yeah so uh i am an award-winning best-selling author and as these things happen yeah. i will show and prove these things you yeah. know what i'm saying so, uh, and I'm, I'm i'm just i'm happy i get to manage you because uh, i want to eat off that too. i manage my own self but you yeah. you you, you 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 didn't write the book, yeah. but it's ours. Yeah. It's ours. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because yeah. if That's anything happens to me, yeah. if anything happens to me, I'm turning into a porno cartoon. I can see that. Okay, <laughs> I can see that. Who we got in the house today, bro? Man, we got Steel, man, the CEO, one of the CEOs of Digital the Soapbox Network. Man, what's going on, Steel? Oh man, I'm just chilling, man. Glad to finally meet y'all, fellas. Yeah, that's that sounds crazy. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we always say like uh, that people gonna laugh when they hear you say that yeah. because we've been doing business for a solid. We've been podcasting for two years. We probably been doing business for like fourteen of those months. No, it's twenty four months. We probably been doing business like 
18 of those months. Maybe 19. Yeah, yeah maybe 19 of Speaking which, it's time to renew your contracts. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, can, we can talk about that. You Y'all know what I'm saying? reminder, so it's time for us to come to the table on, on some renewal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I that's mean, not an issue. That, that ain't an issue. It, it ain't, but that goes to show you that it ain't even about no contract, bro. Like, oh, yeah, we, we rock sure. it because We actually been operating not with I think we the contract. last of the first podcast that was a part of the network. Oh, for sure, man. <laughs> yeah, and, you yeah. know, we, we got one who I ain't going to speak on right now. I kind of don't know where they at right now, so I'm waiting to talk to them to see what's going on because they actually have a very good show. Yeah, yeah. And, I know, yeah. and that was the thing when I started this network, me and Doggy Diamonds, I was saying that um, anybody we brought to the fold, we wasn't going to treat it like a traditional podcast thing. They was going to be family, so it wasn't going to be you hear fellas one day, then they go on the next. So if somebody leaves, it's pretty much on their own because we don't do the whole dropping thing right. and letting people go. We have figure out some stuff because sometimes, man, for some shows, it take a month. Some shows, it takes six months. Some shows, it might be two years. So you just got to ride that wave and just focus on developing the best show you can. Right. right. And then it's, it's, it, we content over numbers because, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, me and bro, honestly, you could go through our catalog and you could put our catalog up against whoever catalog you want to on whatever level of people thinking podcasting is. Our catalog stands strong with all of, all of those, but a lot of people might not listen to us. And what I noticed about podcasting just in general Big podcasters were big in other fields. Like, oh, yeah, you, you for just, sure. That's Most what definitely. it is. I don't know of a podcaster who just came out and is big in podcasting Straight strictly podcaster. off a of podcast. I, I haven't seen that yet. Or we, we don't got no big cosigns. We don't got no cosigns. So when you see us sit with a Jay Prince or these, these is people who come in to sit with us. It's not like, hey, do this favor for my homeboy. We don't even know people who could... We don't cause we don't do that because we like to chill and get to know the people ourselves. But we want to mm-hmm. get to know you in the sense of I've never heard you speak more than five minutes on the Gangster Chronicles. If that, you know what I'm saying? Oh, well, yeah. I try to stay out what I am, man. But, <laughs> but what I do with the shows, man, is I try to let them do them. I right, never right. wanted to be one of the CEOs that was going around on everybody's show or I got me a podcast because my thing is, man, I work for you guys. Right. Okay. In a sense, and if I'm in here trying to do shows and stuff, who going to be out there trying to handle the business and get sponsors right. and make sure we in the best situation we are? You know, you can't be the coach and the player at the same time. Right. Yeah. And, the, and Jackie the, Moon was. But you were. <laughs> <laughs> Tropics. Yeah, 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 that went over a lot of people. Yeah, that was yeah. a movie reference. Because we some silly niggas, man, and we get, you know what I'm we, saying? We just like to have fun. We just man. like to laugh have fun so you actually we actually share something in common man we midwestern man so talk about like where you from in the midwest and growing up in the midwest and how that shaped you oh man i'm originally from cleveland ohio man 103rd street in st Clair, right around the corner you know crazy bone they grew up on 99th in st Clair, and i'm actually of superior side so okay. you know, we used to have beef with them niggas when we was coming up. You know what I mean? Okay, okay. So there was, there you know, the Glenville area. I come from over there, man. And you know, the biggest thing, man, me being from the Midwest, man, we kind of let our yays mean yays and our nose mean nose. Right. You know, we don't really do the whole dancing around thing. We tell somebody something, we try to hold it to our words. You know what I mean? Right. A thousand percent. Yeah. So, so what was growing up at this time in Cleveland like? Because. Uh, a lot of people only know Bone. Like when you hear Cleveland, they only know Bone. Ray Junior, Ray, Ray Junior, Cash, Ray MGK. Cash. Like, like they don't know what a Cleveland story is like. So give us a rundown of what what Cleveland was like at man, this time. Cleveland is much, man, like anywhere in the Midwest. You look at, you know, Inkster, Detroit, you know, Chicago. You know, real dark man used to be big industry city. You know, the steel mills downtown. People's yeah. um 
You know, when I was coming up, I had the step pops man who had the good job down at you know the steel factory man making that good twenty dollars an hour back in the seventies. You yeah. know what I mean? Seventies, yeah. early eighties, making that good twenty twenty five dollars an hour. You get your first house. You know, you buy your first house twenty twenty five thousand dollars. You raising the family in it, and then next thing you know, the factory shutting down. Yeah, right. right. You know, so it, it was like um, I would like to say, man, I'm a product of the crack era because right around them. Right around the time that them factories and everything shut down, you had the crack epidemic to hit. Right, yeah. right. Systematically, that was that was all on. That was yeah. You know, like yeah. literally, right, right around the same time, like eighty one, eighty two, you start seeing the last of the factories. And my step pops, one of them dudes, that was a good worker, so he kind of lasted to the end. Right, you the know where they end. shutting yeah. down little parts of the factory and stuff, and he like the last little dude in the garage. All right, well, we shutting down. We gotta let you go. So. My pops, man, my step pops was always, rest in peace, was always like a hustler type of dude, though. He always had his toolbox, so when he got off of work, he was going over to fix mixed wards, wash and dryer. He was right. going to go fix this nigga's lights around the corner. He was fixing on this nigga's car in the back. So I, I, I'm the dude that had the crib, you know, on the block in the Midwest that got a bunch of raggedy-ass cars in the yard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, yeah. Little homemade, um, the little homemade garage in the back and shit like that. Yeah. With the motors hanging and shit and the raggedy-ass dog tied up on the rope. Yeah. You know, the mangy-ass dog, that was me. You yeah. know, I lived in that house because my pops fixed everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, fortunately, man, I wasn't like the rest of my friends. My parents wasn't on drugs. My mom's always worked down at the Cleveland Clinic. She was, a, you know, a dietitian. She had went to school, became a dietitian. And so she was working at the Cleveland Clinic. So it was like we had a lot of structure in my house, man, because... When I was coming home from school, moms was going to work. Okay. You know, so I come home from school. I get home from football practice at 5 o'clock. I was trained, you know, hey, that pot of beans I made the other night, going there, warm that up for your brothers. You know, make y'all a tin of cornbread, and, you know, you get it like that. Pops right. come in, and we, you know, in bed by 9 o'clock. It was structure in the crib. If you wasn't, you was getting that switch. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> so how, how many siblings did you have? I heard you mention your brothers. How many siblings Man, did I you got, have? Man, um, I don't believe in the whole stepbrother, half-brother thing. I got one sister and three brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't believe in that either, especially not today. Like, America is a product of the blended family. Like, everybody got siblings some type of way. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so for sure. I don't believe in that either. So, you actually, you play sports. You, I heard you mention football. So, talk about, like, your football career because we go lead up to something else with that. So, like, uh, what high school did you play football at? Man, I originally went to Glenville to Ville. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, then I moved out with my real dad later on, and I went to Ravana Senior High School. And I wasn't real serious about the grades back then, the academic piece, because, you know, I was kind of just like, you know, we played football, and that was what it was. I didn't start hearing about no SATs and Prop 48s to, like, I got a little bit better later on. Yeah. Like, hey, you could possibly go to school doing this. So, what's you know, you got to get your grades together. By then, it was too late, so I wound up, man getting hooked up out here way 2,000 miles away, man, with a dude named Coach Will Shaw at Long Beach City College. And junior colleges out there at that time was real big on recruiting talent from the South and the Midwest. You know, a bunch of brothers like me that, you know, big country dudes that didn't have no grades. And the JC route kind of gave us a way to come out and get our grades together and, you know, possibly get a scholarship and get on. So I I came out here, man, in 1989, man, with $50. $50. You know, $50 in my pocket, man. You know, I didn't have a type of house where moms and them, you know, bless yeah. a nigga with three or $3,000. Right. And you getting the big bag of clothes. I came out here with the clothes on, with the, a bag of clothes, man. And actually, I ain't going to say that. My real pops had took me shopping, man, to the, um, you know, we got them shops in the Midwest. 
the men's land and all that yeah, other yeah, shit, yeah. man. So we went. I went and got dugged up, man. Came out here with some baggies and some penny loafers. Thought I was gonna be fresh to death, man. And um, I had to get like back in the day, man. They sold you look in the back of the newspaper and find them tickets, man. Them ticket vouchers, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm just a country nigga, man. I fly into Vegas. I figured, well, Vegas close to Cali. I fly into Vegas, man. Go catch the Greyhound to you know to Long Cali, Beach, yeah. California. So I man, I touch down in Vegas, man. I'm so square. I get up on the phone and go call my mom. I turn around, uh, man. Somebody stole my luggage that quick, man. My yeah. little bag, man. Yeah, man. Damn. So I came out here literally, man, in California with the shirt on my back and my uh, my clothes was gone. You know what I mean? My baggies and my penny loafers. I ain't had them no more. Some smoker probably still running around the day in Vegas wearing them <laughs> motherfuckers. Um, so then, man, I, caught, I got on the bus, man, and it was a trip, man. I knew it wasn't nothing but God because I was this dude, man. He was like, man. I was like, man. He was like, what's wrong, man? What's wrong? Somebody stole my bag. He was like, damn, man. And the brother just gave me $100. Yeah. To this day. And I had 50 in my pocket. So I get on the bus, man. I get on the Greyhound, man. I'm mad as a motherfucker. You know, I'm like, damn, man. I come out here, somebody don't stole my shit, man. Um, so I catch the bus, man. By the time I get here to California, I go to the bus station. So I'm like, I ain't playing this too well because well, I don't know where the school is. If y'all don't know Long Beach, California... The bus station is in the middle of the hood. Of course. Like everywhere else. Like and, everywhere, and it yeah. was, um, and you got to think about this, it, 1989, that was when the Crips and Bloods was really in full effect. Like, niggas was really banging. That's when niggas was walking around in Jerry Curls, yeah, cross yeah. course, and they was looking at, like, where you from, cuz, or where you from, Bloods, you know what I mean? So, Long Beach is a Crip city. I go to Long Beach, man, and I'm like, asking somebody, where is Long Beach City College at? They like, in California, spread out and fucked up. Long Beach City College is actually not in Long Beach, California. It's in Lakewood. How so far I'm, is that? Man, that's like a 15-mile stretch, right? Yeah. So I didn't have no cell phone back then. We didn't have cell phones that you can get on and call an Uber. What none of that shit jumping off. I walks up there. This dude give me directions. You know, back then we had directions. You know where a nigga tell you, okay, you go walk down Long Beach Boulevard. You go take it right on PCH. You go hit the traffic circle. You go go around there and walk for like three miles and you go get there. So I wind up walking to PCH, man. And when I tell you that was my education in California, I got banged on by somebody because I had on the red Ohio State sweatshirt yeah. in the middle of a crip neighborhood walking right. down PCH at four o'clock in the morning. It was like, cuz, you way out of bounds. And I ain't know what that meant. Where you from? And I said Ohio and they said oh this nigga got jokes where you from fool I said Ohio so the dude said man I think cuz really from Ohio <laughs> right, like, yeah, so yeah, we get to yeah. talk and they like what you do your country is? what you doing out here I was like man I came to play ball come to find out it's a nigga that's gonna be on the team Shut up. Banging them, I swear to God I ain't gonna tell you his name this nigga's doing all kind of different shit right now yeah. so you know he might not want me to tell that story but anyway he wound up pretty much giving me a ride. He's like, I don't know, homie. I don't know you like that, but I'll give you a ride to the school. Ain't nobody up there. So I wound up getting a ride to Long Beach City College and getting. And I just sat there. But one thing I did, no, man, I was looking at the sky, and it, by this time, it's about to break day. And I just sat in the front of the steps, man, until somebody came, you know, at the athletic department. And I was like, man, I made it. Because, you know, at that time, like I said, man, Cleveland was fucked up. The crack yeah. epidemic was hit. And, you know, the thing about the crack epidemic, man, it took a lot of good brothers down, man. You had guys that was really, like, good family men, man, that got, 
you know, depressed, man. They start hitting that pipe, man. Because and they was, lost their job. You know, and they it needed was just, something to turn yeah, Exactly. To. And it was just over then, man. You know, I knew a cat, man. This pops used to drink a fifth of Wild Irish Rose, man. That was, you know, and he was all trying to find him a 20-piece. You know what I mean? After right. that, you know, he take that fifth rose for the head, and he wasn't never at home, man. So I saw, like, it was just a real weird time because you saw a lot of dudes, man, whose parents got hooked on crack, and then you saw their sons start selling the crack. Yeah. Right. So right. you start seeing dudes, man, that was just regular dudes. Next thing you know, them dudes driving 98 Oldsmobiles with, you know, getting datings on them and stuff, and they got a pocket full of money, so... I was trying to get out of all that, so I wound up here in Long Beach, California, man, to make a long story short. I met Will Shaw, the man I was telling you about. He wound up becoming my head coach, but he wound up becoming like a father to me. Yeah. You know, a real lifelong mentor, man. Um, Big, tall dude, man, 6'6", six, six, like 250, man, like a Jim Kelly-type brother. Yeah. And so, you know, we played football. He made, every, he made sure every kid that came in there was able to get out and get out on the scholarship. So I wound up from there getting a scholarship to New Mexico State University. Wound up playing ball, you know, playing ball out there for a little bit, man. Didn't get to go play in the CFL for a little bit. But I don't think, man, I think after a certain time, the football wasn't really in my heart no more. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it was like, you know, I wasn't making no real money playing up in the CFL and fucking with that arena league stuff. So I started getting into other stuff. I was always making music and writing and, you know, all that shit. So I got off in the music, you know, started doing music and stuff, man, and got off into that world. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So, so let's talk. Let's let's get ahead. into that. So you say you was always doing music. and uh, So what was your introduction to the entertainment when you knew that I ain't fucking with the football no more? I'm really about to do this. Well, it was always, man, a thing like in Ohio, man, I was always like, you know, we was rapping in Cleveland. So I bought that when I moved out like to Ravana. This is like the Akron area for those that don't know. Just say Akron. Right. right. I moved out to that part of town, man. I was one of the first dudes out there really just rapping, you know, because I came from Cleveland doing that to the point that where I was serious. I had the four-track in the bedroom, yeah. you know, with the realistic turntable, you know what I mean? And, and you know, yeah. the little sampler that you buy from um, Radio Shack used to sell the sampler, man, that only sampled for like three seconds. Three seconds, yeah. So he say four-track, and uh, for y'all young kids listening who don't know what a four-track is, or that's a, a dots. Or a dots, is that, uh, that's a recorder. So you, you put the tape in, and you got four tracks to record. Yeah, exactly. You know so, saying? you know, if you was real, ill with it you knew how to bounce down my boy stone shorty he used to know how to bounce the, the four tracks down to where he had put four tracks right go max out four tracks with the music he had bounce them down to the one so now you got you three tracks three, three, three more tracks to record on you know you doubling up and stuff so i made this little song i can't i can't tell you for the life of me what it was but it was some political pro-black stuff because that's what niggas was doing back in the day yeah, you know what i mean so i made this song man and i noticed that Everybody in the little neighborhood was banging. Everybody had these little ghetto blasters. Everybody was playing this circulated. Yeah. And I said, man, I might be on to something. But then I was playing football. You know, my people weren't hearing that shit. Talk about, you going to be a rapper? Nigga, you take your ass to school. <laughs> right. You know yeah. what I mean? Because being being, making it in rap wasn't even realistic at the time. Oh, no, man. Especially for a nigga from the Midwest. Right, you know what I mean? Midwest, at, like, yeah. at that time, we wasn't cracking like that. So I wound up coming out here Look to Look at Long, us now running the whole game. I wound up coming out of Long Beach, California, man. And what was funny, a bunch of people that wound up becoming like people in the industry, like Superfly and different people like that, they went to Long Beach City College. Okay. So they, you, you was able to forge relationships with these people yeah, early. You know, so I started meeting these people, man. There was a um, girl named Akiba. She was in a group named called Menage a Trois. Yeah. They wound up getting signed to Roofless. Yeah. It was a dude actually in Long Beach, man. The biggest rapper in Long Beach at that time wasn't Snoop. It was a dude named Radio. 
Yeah. It was a cat named Radio. So I did that, you know, the whole time. But then I came back out here, man, and started making music, man. My thing was never, I've always been an entrepreneurial type of dude. So when I decided to get back to music again, man, I, you know, I went and just start getting my stuff together, man. At the time, you was able to go get, you know, MPC was the thing to have. So yeah. I bought me an MPC 60. And you couldn't find producers back then like you did today. So I started making beats and everything and just, you know, learn how to work my equipment because I've been doing that since I was a kid anyway. And, you know, we had music programs back then. So I knew how to play, you know, bang out some kind of semblance of a note. You know right, what I mean? Right. So I started making my own stuff. Then it kind of went from there. I met Mr. Mix from the Two Live Crew, man, at a um, concert in Lemur Park. It was a concert in Lemur Park, and I met him and threw a tape. You know, you try to get off tape off to a nigga. He was walking back off stage. I kind of threw a tape to him. I had a number on it. You know, I had five tapes, man. Yeah. So I'm passing tapes off to everybody. He actually called me. Yeah, sure that's what's up. You know, he actually called me like, yo, can I speak to Steel? And I was like, who is this? And he was like, it's Mr. Mix. I was like, damn, man, it's Mr. Mix. You know what I mean? So he, I really went in the studio with him hard, man, for like two years. And he's really like, people know him more for that bass and booty shaking shit. But he was really like a DJ premier type of dude. He's a real producer. Right. Yeah. Like when I went to his crib in the Valley, he was staying out here in California at the time. I went to his house. He had like this wall full of records. It was the most records I ever seen, man. And so he was like this. And I knew how to rap. And he said, dude, you can rap, but ain't nobody trying to hear all that. You got to start. So he really broke me down. As far as like the structure of a 16 bar rap oh, or even okay. a 12, he was like, if you write a 12, that's even better. And we got to get back to the hook and them drums got to be sticking. You know what I mean? Right. You know, so he made sure that everything was right. And then I kind of start elevating up. I was all like me and Mr. Mix still friends to this day. Mm-hmm. Then I met another dude that was pivotal in my life named DJ Bobcat. Yeah, Bobcat. Yeah, Bobcat at the time, man. Bobcat was working with, um, you know, he's working with LL. Yeah. And at the time I met him, he was producing, he was the staff producer for Ruthless Records. Right. This right. is right around the time that Dre left and everything. So Bob's whole thing was trying to get, Bob had power back then. Yeah. Still got a lot of power. So his thing, man, he had this concept, man, to where he was go pretty much try to make me like a robot or some shit like that. It was crazy shit. I wasn't with it at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was an ill idea, but I said, you ain't about to turn me to no cartoon, my nigga. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, you ain't yeah. about to turn me to no cartoon. Then I, you know, I ran into um, Tony Lane one day. Tony Lane, for those who don't know, he, um, Tony Lane, um, Lane, Laneway Records. Yeah. Sugar Free. Yeah. You know, yeah. DJ Quick, Mossberg, all of them. Yeah. So I ran the Black Tone at a, at his barbershop one day. Coolest dude ever, man. You know, Big Blood dude out of Compton, man. So we meet and I start hanging around them dudes. I start, me and High C got became hella close, man. Still, like, this, like, this, like my brother now. You know what I mean? High so C. High C started taking me on the road with him. And I got to be on Sugar Freeze album. Was on a whole bunch of projects with them, so we became like. What 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 what, what role did you play on Sugar Freeze album? You just can't like glance over that stuff. Yeah. Like oh man, I was on this. To the Sugar I was Freeze, on this. I was um, to give you my bitch. I was yeah. <laughs> you know I wasn't on that album. I was on the album after that. Um, I think it was um, Street Gospel Two okay. Scriptures or something like that. Man, um. And I was on a song when I had eight bar verse, man. But you know, it wasn't shit now. But you know, back then I was like, man, I'm on Sugar Freeze album. You know, the album did. came out. I went and bought like 10 copies, you know, like right. shit, I'm past them out. Like, I'm on this motherfucker, you know what I mean? So I was on there, man. Then from that time, man, it was like stuff started happening for me. So I had this manager at the time, man. I really should have kept him. He was a hustler, man. 
dude named Mario, he had started really hitting me because I opened up a record store. I got really serious about, you know, stuff. So I opened up a record store over in Paramount. Now, yeah. what year is this? Because you say you, you, your feet touched the soil in Cali in 89? Yeah, 89. 89. Yeah, so oh, this is transpiring. We we up to like 96, 97 now. Okay. okay. So, okay. I so, hope, so you all, at this point, you're almost from California in the eyes of the world. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I opened up a record store, man, and, and we just doing different stuff. You know, I'm like really immersed in the hip-hop culture. Okay, okay I don't want to cut you off, but I got to ask this. So when Bone come out and take over the world, basically, when they hook up with Easy e where are you at in California along this line? Man, you know what? Around that time, I was messing with Mr. Mix. Okay, okay. And then I hooked up with Bobcat. So I'm kind of like, we kind of like intersecting with each other. You right, know what right, I mean? That's why I like, asked. they blowing up, but I I didn't get to fuck with them at that time. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm messing with Bobcat. He really don't fool with them because they got their own producer. Right, DJ that's Unique. That's when I heard yeah. about DJ Unique and, yeah. you know. He you one know, of the coders. You know, and Unique had control over that bone situation. He was like he developed a sound for them. Yeah, like yeah. so easy. Pretty easy had the foresight to know I'm gonna put these niggas with you and let you produce them. Because oh, we, they didn't come with him. No, they didn't come with him. I Unique thought, was from out here. I, I thought, thought Unique, Unique was, was from Cleveland. Cleveland. It's no, awesome. Unique is from out here in California. Man, I yeah, thought he was from Cleveland this whole yeah, time. Yeah, I thought they came no. together. Damn. That's what makes the easy, so he really produced them. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, what makes yeah. Easy E such a genius to know. Hey, y'all not going to be Bone Incorporated. Why don't y'all be Bone Thugs, Thugs and Harmony? Harmony. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he put them with Unique. He had put them with DJ Unique. You know what I mean? Yeah, all this time. Man, I that just blew my Unique mind, man. Yeah. So he had, you know, Bob wouldn't get no action on none of that. You know, Unique had that, man. You know, because yeah. he made them the soundtrack. Like, dog, like that sounded like we kind of claimed that sound as our own, the Cleveland sound. You know, even yeah. though it was a nigga from South Central LA that did it. So, that is the Cleveland sound. Like, you know, so. You know, if you take them beats today, man, and possibly change up some of the drums in them, them beats are still cracked today. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. No you know, Thuggy's no Ruggy's Bone will work today if you put it out right now, you know, in 2020. Yeah. So it's 96, 97. You open up your record store. You moving around. Is you still moving around with Black Tone and them at this time? Oh, yeah. yeah. Them is my brother. Still moving around with them cats today. You know yeah. what I mean? Um so it winds up happening. I start getting a better idea from the inside on how the business actually work. So while everybody else was looking for record deals, I kind of figured out, man, these dudes getting twenty thousand dollar advances and they ain't never seen no more money. And if you don't blow up, That's if you're not one of them big dudes, you're not really getting them. So I start figuring out how to um, do the independent thing. So it was a dude named, um, you know, I was buying records, so I knew all the one stops around here. Yeah. I met a guy named Mark Gordon that had a company called Ground Level Distribution, and they was distributing a lot of the Bay. That's, at that time, the Bay Area was cracking. Yeah, like the cats was coming up in there busting seventy, eighty thousand dollar checks, and I said, "Man, shit, this the way I need to be doing my shit." You know, <laughs> yeah. fuck all the you know advances yeah. and all that shit. Right. So I fuck with Mark Gordon, and he gave me a P and D deal back in the day, which is for you youngers, that's a pressing and distribution deal. Yeah. I get that, and I got look co op marketing in there. To where back in the day when we had actual record stores, if you had you a P and D deal with co op in it, that means they would pay. To get you top shelf placement, yeah. that means you was getting the listening booths in the yeah, um, like the, the, I missed the, that yeah. era, man. You was getting the listening booths in the um, the record stores, in the, the Tower Records, and all that shit, yeah. man. So that was my biggest thing. 
I said, man, I want to put me a record out and be in the top listening booth in the in the Tower Records, man, in Hollywood. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, you sell a lot of records by them, man. So I put out records, man. I started putting out records. I wasn't selling no massive amounts of units, but I was selling like two and 3,000 records, you know, here and there, which at that time, dog, you was able to do that back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's $20,000, $30,000. Yeah. yeah, and so at that time, man, the Bay Area was really on that hustle. The Bay Area in the South, has started getting on that hustle because we, you know, they was from places both perspectively that was kind of overlooked. Right. So wasn't nobody coming down putting no country ass niggas out in the records in the Bay Country in the motherfucker too. Because that I'm shit, a, them people from down south just migrated up north. Hell yeah, so that's what it is. So I figured out, man, half the cats from the Bay ain't really from the Bay. They family probably from Detroit. They from Chicago. They right. from, you know. And that's the where they... Fan bases be exactly yeah, so. Detroit, Oakland, and Detroit is cousins. It ain't nothing else you could t- like. <laughs> the, oh yeah, that, for Oakland real. For and real. Detroit is cousins. They like actually. They like like they brothers. They like cousins who grew up in the same house oh, and yeah. their grandmother's house together. For real. Yeah, so. <laughs> for real. So you know, we go from there, man. And I got to start understanding the business. So then at this time, man, I start hearing about these different conventions overseas, right? So I go to a convention called Midham and saved my life. I bought a house off of that convention. Yeah. I went out to meet him and I found out. Now, where is this at? You said this overseas. is in France. Okay. So I had a little bit of bread because, you know, I don't put out like six records at this time. And they don't all sold anywhere between 1,500 copies and 3,000, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I was able to get some cool little local figures, get a verse from high get a verse from sugar free. You know, I'm cracking. You know what I mean? Right. I was able to have me a little route to where I would go through all the swap meets, man, and sell my pieces independently. You know, you get it for $6 for me. I go in with a box of 50. Right, you know, right. I was walking out with, you know, $800. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had, you know, bigger stores, a consignment plug. I used to go collect my money. So at that time, I went to Midham, and I was having people offer me licensing deals. And I was like, a licensing deal? So that means y'all niggas 5,000 miles away. How am I going to trust that y'all going to pay me my bread? I said, no, I'll ship y'all, you know, y'all shit. And I learned how to do all the... um the paperwork and all that shit because when you export and shit it's really an export business yeah. so at that point out my garage I had an export business going Yeah. not only was I distributing my shit I was distributing all the other local niggas shit too right, you know what I mean shipping it, yeah, you know yeah, so yeah. ground level they had some shit I run across a nigga man you need some help getting your shit so I tell Japan my girl Soki in Japan She'd tell me, I give you $8, you know what I mean? I tell a nigga, you getting six. I'm keeping two, you know what I'm saying? Right, business. You know yes. what I'm saying? It was business. So I really, that hustle really elevated when I went to Midham and got that London distribution hookup, that Germany hookup, and all, you know, worldwide, because they was buying records like, you know. Crazy. The under, the more, <laughs> you know, a dollar fifty and they money, you know, for a pound was like damn near two S two US dollars. So yeah. I tell a motherfucker over there, okay, man, I need six euros a CD, six pounds a CD. So I mean, I'm getting twelve dollars a unit, and I had some marketing behind the shit. I fucked around and sold like ten thousand records, and started over there, man. My first check was like a hundred some thousand dollars, and it wasn't <laughs> a check; it was a wire. I called Bank of America because you know they like, oh, we sent you, you know, we sent it. It said you have a balance of. One hundred and thirteen thousand dollars and eighty five cent. How old are you at the time? Man, I was about like twenty eight, man. Yeah. So I called hung up the phone, (laughs) paused, called it again. First thing I did, man, is I went down to the bank and said, Man, I need twenty five thousand cash. The lady looked at me and said, okay, how would you like that? You know, she yeah. pulled me to the little back room. You know, they start treating you a little different. You yeah, know what I mean? When you go up really in there, you know what I mean? 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, but you like to open up a passport. When said lady told me how to open up a business account, because at this time I got all this shit running through my regular shit, you know. Yeah. So I got that man. So at the time, I start becoming known as a dude. I start. Me and my boy Big A, I started distributing like all the dads and shit for That's him. That's how I say, yeah, he dog pound, right? Yeah, dog pound. Yeah. I started helping them distribute their shit. That. And then, you know, I met Glasses when Glasses was kind of up and coming. Yeah. At that time, he was the hottest dude in the street. He had the song 300. He was running around with Game and them. So I met him around that time, and me and him became like friends. You know, we became right. like really before we even made music together, we just clicked. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I went... I was with him, man, through all his trials and tribulations. So I took him on his first trip to Japan. Okay. It was me, um, my boy DJ Head is on the radio station. Now it's Glasses DJ. DJ bought him glasses, bought him his first turntables. Now he's like a big trendsetter yeah, right there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I be wa- I be watching DJ here. Yeah, all the like time. like them oh, was all. Oh, straight up. Yeah, I know what you talking about? Yeah, yeah. 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 he's all like my little brothers, you know. So yeah. we running around in Japan, man. We out there. I got them, man. We getting out there, getting like five thousand dollars a show. They, you know, we out there selling CDs because we go glasses, take them some CDs with them, and I told them to take more. I don't take me like 500 CDs out there. I got my shit shit ahead of time. It's I already know. The, yeah. I see this nigga signing shit. I'm like, no, nigga. Come over here. We line up. They paying you $100 a CD with right. the signature on it. So we out there. We running around with knots in our pocket. We trying to get, you know, I'm, I'm showing the niggas how to bring the money back over here without having to do it because, you know, I said, man, listen. Them yen, you don't want to bring them motherfuckers back over here because the bank go charge you more for it. You go lose money. You know right, what I mean? Right. It's a hustle. You know, once you off here, you got this yen. Nigga tell you, well, man, I'm going to give you 75 cents in the dollar. What can right. you do? You know what I mean? Yeah, right. you you do that. So yeah. I get my shit converted over there. I do it over there. I wait to see the exchange rate and the shit. And the exchange, when it's high, I'm stuffing money at the bottom of my socks. Because, you know, they ain't going to check the bottom of your shit. I'm a tall nigga anyway, so I'm walking in, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm, right, I'm right. walking through that motherfucker, man, with my bread. You know what I mean? I'm getting all my bread. So we came back, man. I realized, I said, man, I kind of realized at that point, man, that I liked the other side of the game more, more than, than I music, did being the, the music, you know, because yeah. it was fun to me. I was like, man, it was just cool. You actually found your niche, though. That yeah. was that, that 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 part of the game was for you. But let's talk about uh, somebody else you had a relationship with, uh, and you used to tour with Big Psych. Let's yeah, talk God about your relationship. Oh uh, man, let's talk about your relationship with Psych. Big Psych is my brother, man. Like God bless the dead. Like one of my best friends, dog. Like I cried, man, when when Psych died. And I'm gonna tell you how I met Psych, man. Me and High C was at this club one night, and that's when California was kind of like cracking, you know. Yeah. Uh, Death Row had it on Smash, you know, so the West Coast was cracking. So, you know, Psych, nigga run with Tupac. He see Crawford, and like, man, what's up? And they get to talking, man, right? So we be out there, man, we got there kicking <laughs> at the club. He nigga by his real dad. You know, they get to talking and shit, man, right? So me and Psych had met that night. And we was talking, he was like, man, you know, what's your name, dog? You got the song on the radio. I had a song on the radio. He's like, oh, yeah. So Psych start kind of mentoring me. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was like, you know, the rap homie. So, you know how you meet somebody on some rap shit and y'all wind up becoming like Kendrick spirits? You yeah. realize, like, this nigga could be my brother, man. Right. Me and him was so different, but yet we were so alike, man. You know, he was a big swole nigga, you know what I mean? The rap. Yeah. And we both got them big baritone-ass voices, you know what I mean? It's almost like some 3D shit, you know what I mean? Right. And so me and him became real, real good friends, man. Me and him actually been to Dubai together. 
Yeah. We was in Japan around the same time a couple of times, you know what I mean? We right. hook up out there, it was cool. Man, nigga, where you at, man? I'm in Shibuya. I'm in Tokyo, nigga. I'm about to, you know, we go off tomorrow, let's look up. So we out there in them little bitty ass cars hooking up and shit, <laughs> man. You know, we you know, we just living life, man. And I'm gonna tell you a story about psych, man. Right when I start just getting into the podcast stuff, like start really like, you know, because I was always a fan of it. I was a fan of it when, when nobody messed with podcasts. Right. So they had a thing out here called Dash Radio. I, I remember, remember Dash Radio. And yeah. Glasses had just got to show up there. And he, that Glass, Dash Radio, that's the, uh, what's that, DJ Ski? Yeah, DJ Ski yeah. stuff, yeah. which is really not podcasting. It's more like an app that he got, you know, that got different shows on there. I think it's a dope idea. But yeah. anyway, Glasses had a show on Dash, and I convinced Glasses to do this shit because Glasses didn't want to do no podcast. So I'm like, nigga, we going to go do this, right? Psych was supposed to be our guest that night. I was coaching my son's youth football team at the time, and we missed the time to go in. It would have been too late. like. And so I told Psych, because he lived way out in Riverside, I said, Psych, don't come tonight, my nigga, because I said, we going to be late now. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if we can get in there and shit like that. He was like, I'm glad you told me, nigga. I was just on get, about to get him to 91. You know, it was a journey for him. So we talked that next day, man, and it was a conversation that we had, man. He was like, man, I love you, nigga. Yeah. And he ain't never told no shit like that before. Right. But me and I said, I love you too, fool. I said, what you up to? He said, man, we got to get up. Because at that time, we hadn't clicked up for like two months, man. Next thing you know, I was supposed to hook up with him that weekend, but something kept happening. Man, next thing you know, I hear my nigga dead. Like, I see some shit, and I'm like, no, this shit ain't right, man. Yeah. I was just talking to this nigga. This nigga right. ain't had, because you know how you see shit some motherfucker said that the dude was overweight and had, I'm like, this motherfucker in the gym every day. Right. Psych wasn't no out of shape fat nigga, you know what I mean? Psych was on swole. And my nigga died, man. And that shit, man, I cried, man. Like, it was like losing a brother, man, because he was just. Genuine. Yeah, he was just one of the most genuine anti-Hollywood dudes. Cause I don't miss some dudes from out here, man. You know, you know how they say don't never meet your heroes. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. find out half of these niggas is junkies and flunkies. Yeah, you know what I mean. They just be some cold busters, man. Yeah, you know they just some. Yeah, yeah. You know, you be like, man, I don't never want to see this bitch ass nigga in life again. <laughs> and, and you know what? Like, I think people really uh, underestimate the movie Hustle and Flow. Like, it's way more. Oh skinny yeah, black. it's a whole yeah, bunch yeah, of skinny yeah, black. Yeah, you that's meet a nigga is, and they a real black. nigga, you would be like, damn dog, you a real nigga. You man. a real it's nigga. There's way dog. more skinny black niggas out here than it is motherfucking big sikes for sure. Yeah. Right. Hey, so even with that, like, I just learned to like. A, a person's craft. I don't even want to meet you, bro. Oh, for I sure, have man. No re I don't give a fuck what you do. Unless you work at the bank, my nigga, I don't even want to meet you. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure, man. Yeah, because these niggas be... Yeah, because it's one person that I just don't want to meet, man, because I don't want that to crush... Like, you know what I'm you saying? St you still feel like that? Yeah. I'm just better off not meeting this yeah, person, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, mean, yeah, I don't want to meet this person. That's why I don't one of my favorite be, people, though. You know, yeah, like, I don't even be trying to be in social service. And I'll put his name out there, me and Crawford had to do a radio show. Not, I'm, I'm sorry, Crawford. I ain't gonna call you Crawford no more. Me and I see <laughs> had a radio show out of Utah. Man, we went out there, so we kicking it with Nate, dog. You know, Nate the homie. Yeah, Nate wasn't. It was like you know, I seen Nate around all the time. Him and Crawford had a, I mean, I see had a record together at the time that was bubbling, and so we kicking it, man. Buster Rhymes, cool as hell. You know, like Buster Rhymes was a positive experience. I met him. 
Louis, Ludacris is the gayest nigga in the motherfucking world. That old punk ass <laughs> nigga, man. I want to beat his ass, man. Hey, we man. ain't cut that out either. Yeah, we keep it that. Keep it in there. Fuck him. We keep it that. But that, but that's how I beat though. And then it's crazy because he was skinny black. Yeah, he was a real skinny black. How he played that character, dog? Perfect. He's a nigga really like that. It's like you know this nigga. You say what's up to him. He say hi first, but he's a real Hollywood ass nigga. You know what I mean? Just yeah. a Hollywood ass nigga, and he ain't shit but about four foot eleven. So you slap the shit out this nigga. You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> now, something that, that, most of these motherfuckers, yeah, little niggas. Yeah. yeah, that's why it might not have worked for you in the states because you are big and towering and shit. Yeah, and both of the niggas, rappers, small. Yeah, 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 shit. Well, that nigga Buster, Buster, big ass nigga too. He ain't no little nigga. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But, but is he tall? Yeah, he tall. Buster pretty tall. See, okay. like niggas like Slim Thug and Little Flip, like them niggas is tall fucking niggas. Giants, yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And one time Snoop was the tallest nigga in the rap game, and that was real. Like think, think about that. Who's yeah. taller than well, Snoop? Well, I will tell you this: while you bring up Snoop, Snoop is the coolest nigga I ever. Can imagine Snoop IELs on his records is like that, I, and I don't. Met Snoop on some shit outside of rap. I met him doing the U football shit. Yeah. Snoop is a cool brother. Snoop is a good brother, man. Yeah. Like that, a real good brother. Yeah. The real do a lot of shit for the community, man. He, he well, had you know me, he, yeah, he, he had, had me his daddy from the D in real life. Yeah, he's yeah, a, yeah, he, he yeah. like that's why I like him. He act <laughs> like a Midwest nigga. Yeah, Snoop is cool. He, he he ain't never on no Hollywood shit. Like yeah. when he see you, what's up, big steel? Yeah. What's up, Steel? You know what I mean? He cool. Warren G is a real solid dude. Oh, man. I would love to sit down and talk to him. You know, and there's a lot G, of man. good brothers, but I'm going to tell you, them Bay Area dudes, man, and most of the L.A. dudes is real solid, man. Yeah. I will tell you that. Like, I, I haven't ran across too many weenie people. I'm going to tell you, Kendrick Lamar is my heart. That's my, it's like little bro right there. You know, yeah. the whole TDE goose. And what's crazy about them, man, I saw the Ascension. I was, you know, I used to go over there and use Top Dog Studios. Top used to let me use the studio. Yeah. So, because Glasses was a part of that first. Yeah, in, well, in, in you the know beginning. what? It's not that he was actually ever signed to them, man. They was always family. Yeah, that's what they, I'm saying. They're still he, family. Yeah. So, you know, it's like this. If I was still making music and wanted to get a record from K-Dot right now, it would probably take me a while to get it. But, but I would you were one it. of the people who you know, could get it. Yeah. Like, like, I would be able to get it. I would probably have to, man, he on tour. He could be gone for two months. You know what I mean? But they some good brothers, man. You know, Top Dog don't gave money to my youth football league before. You know, I remember I hit him one time, Top, I need to get jerseys for the kids. He said, oh, nigga, come to the crib. Yeah, you know, had that check and it wasn't no hesitating, it wasn't right. no like he's a. Um, it's definitely when you see them people like that make it, you have hope that the real niggas got some kind of chance of making it. You know right, what I mean? Right. Because a lot of people slept on them dudes, man. A of lot course, of people. Yeah, I, I've yeah. seen the same dudes, radio people that's kissing their ass now, yeah. telling I mean, me but that that's shit wasn't work. Yeah, yeah, you know how. But that's the game, niggas be fake. But I heard you, you mentioned youth football more than once. So like, uh, let's talk about your son for a minute, man, because your son is actually a real football star. Like, oh yeah, man. So yeah, uh, he doing his thing. Yeah, he doing his thing. And uh, I be telling people at first I didn't know what position he played, but I'm like, yo. That my man out there last name still like I do business with his dad like so when you was raising him and you got these youth football leagues like did you did you force football on him or did he just naturally gravitate to oh, it? Oh no man That's you know question. when Chris was born man Chris was born like on a tail end of kind of like my music career okay so he was a daddy's boy yeah so you know he was a baby man you know he little baby sleep with me on my chest. I pull up on my truck about to leave, hit him the door open up. He hopped in with me. You know, I'm like, I'm going with you. You know what I mean? Wherever I was going. So he was always with me. So I kind of made a choice at that time, man. I said, I'm going to focus on this dude because he was bad as hell when he was little. He was a <laughs> badass nigga, man. Yeah. He was um, 
terrible. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, um, so, but he had a lot of energy. And that's right, what right. it was. Like, he wasn't a little dude. Like, my oldest son, I could sit him up there and put a Barney tape in. Yeah. And he used to eat Cheetos all day and watch Barney. This one, he wanted to be outside. He throwing shit in the side of the house. You know, you hearing balls hitting the side of the house and shit. So, he was that type of kid, man. So, what happened that was. second child, man. Yeah, actually, when I was in Japan the first time, my wife had took him to the park. She said, I got to put him in something. She saw all the signups. He was like, I want to go over there. And so he wanted to play basketball. But, you know, at that time, that nigga like three or four, and they pulled out them little kitty hoops. He said, I want to play real basketball. I'm <laughs> I trying to play, play that real, stuff right man. there, you know. So she had to sign a waiver to let him play up. So this nigga out there, four years old, running full court with niggas that's like seven and eight. Yeah. So he was always rough and kind of tall for his age. And so he did that. But when he saw that flag football, yeah. it was over with. Yeah, something clicked in him. Yeah, he clicked. And so he started playing that flag, man. You know, I wasn't taking it. You know, like the thing, I ain't never try to force football on him. I should just go to the games and enjoy it. Then it went from that to people asking me to coach because I had a background. So it kind of went from there, man, and I just I got the chance to coach him, man, from the time he played his first tackle game on up till he played his last. Yeah, that's dope. That's you football, man. you know. So yeah. I left the music alone. I left the music shit alone when it was him because I saw, and I wasn't one of them. I was always realistic and still am realistic about the shit, man. Because really, football is the most shittiest treated sport in the world, man. As far as the way they pay them brothers and everything, yeah. Don't yeah. get me wrong; it's life changing money. But I tell you, with your body, you put yeah, your, you put your you, you put, put your body every, through yeah. stuff, and the contracts ain't guaranteed. So I always tell my son, man, make sure while they getting what they get out of you, that you getting what you get out of them. So I, that I means agree with that 100%. you go get that degree, man. You go get everything you can. If, if you can stay up in that motherfucking get a doctorate out of there, go do it. You know what I mean? Right. Because, I, you know, a degree, that's one more, that's a whole different discussion on how I feel about it. I think you, I think you need them, but I think if you go go to school all that time, you need to be going to go learn how to run your own business. Yeah, Not yeah. to go to school for all the time to work for some other motherfucker. Right, I think you needed to, I, I think like, Doctors, lawyers, certain professions, you need a degree. You know oh, what yeah. I'm saying? You, you're not going to be able to be a doctor without going through, yeah. through, through that. But if you just going to college because your parents want you to and you kind of on the fence about what you want to do, you wasting your time and you, you you fucking yourself up if you're getting student loans. Yeah, well, I'm, yeah. I'm very much against somebody going to go put themselves in debt without a plan. Yeah. My thing is this. I'm going to tell you what I believe in, man. Just like they got you know these universities. Ain't nothing wrong with kids, because this is what I would tell any kid, man. If you're not going to go play football and can't go for free, go to your school and learn a trade. Go learn about programming. If you can sit up in a computer all day, any damn way, go learn how to be a programmer. Go learn right. how to be a Cold. graphic artist. Man, learn how to do a trade like plumbing, electrician. Exactly. I work at the plant, bro. Mm -hmm. They paying these electricians and all these skilled trade workers so much because the gap between them so big. It ain't no... It, it's a whole generation. They, we, we graduated in 2000, right? Mm -hmm. Leading up to us graduating, they cut out the trades and all they pushed was college, 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 college. Exactly. So everybody went to college. Nobody wanted to be a plumber. Nobody want to be an exactly. electrician so it's oh, if, if whoever yeah. doing that my homeboy run a program my homeboy dino van shots out to dino he got the steep program and they get you into the trades and it, it ain't no way they could tell you no if you be like i ain't got no license they help you get a license if you like i can't afford it whatever it ain't no no's man you know what i'm saying exactly. and they get you in them trades and, and actually james man from the gangster chronicles yeah. got something that he want to start like that man he wants to start a program to where he showed the kids, man, where they, you know, the kids can come and learn how to lay down carpet, how yeah, to be a plumber, yeah. how to fix, you know, how to fix cars. Because the thing is, man, 
you can go to school all these years, man, and, you know, them bullshit-ass degrees, you know, African-American studies and all that, you know, <laughs> yeah. kind of bullshit, man. You know, the, and hold I, on, and hold I'm, on, because that's what his wife degree is. You know what? No. Yeah. And I'm she, not trying to— First of all, my nigga, I'm she got a master's degree yeah, in that. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. trying to—and ain't nothing wrong with that, bro. No, but that—when that, you say bullshit degrees, that always comes to mind. But you know what, though? Well, the reason I say that, man, if you go really go do something in African-American studies to help the community— that's fine. That's yeah. perfect. Go do it. But what I'm saying is a lot of people just go to school and get degrees that, just to say they got the degree. Got a degree yeah. They don't do nothing about it. They got a degree. Yeah, because she, yeah, she actually got that because she go end up being a college professor. So that's why she Well, you got know that. what? And it ain't nothing. That wasn't no slight to no, nobody. She don't go, that, that's because when people say, because people do just go to college and they get a degree in anything that one, they don't have interest in and two, they not going to be able to help besides they self, the community. Exactly. Right, and that's right, why I say, now. if you go go get a degree, get something that's saying, like I told my son, I said, man, what is it that you want to do? He said, man, I can see myself after I'm playing ball getting in the media. So he's majoring in journalism. Right. If that's what you go do, Go do that, man, and go do it the way you own your own brand. You feel what I mean? Right. Don't go do it. Now, don't don't get me wrong. If CBS cuts you a big ass check to come, you know, host the, the commentary but it games and shit, depends on what type of person you are. If you could accept the CBS check, like because like some people just ain't go conform to the system, and they still good at journalism and all that, but the system is just not. A, a structured system like CBS because they go monitor what they say. Yeah, exactly. You That's why I think the podcasting thing is the best shit in the world because if I was, like, if I had a name nowadays and I was a kid coming out of school, I wouldn't be working for no motherfucking yeah, body. I'd be right, like, yeah, I'm stepping right to get my own <laughs> podcast. I'm going to go walk up in all these events and ask niggas, you know everybody. Right. I would go in there and do that and make the sponsors come to deal with me directly because everything is about sponsorships and anything. So you get your numbers up. And your metrics, and that's what I told my son. I said, man, start getting your social media. Now, you know, he verified on Instagram, yeah. verified on Twitter, got, you know, 20-some thousand people followed him on Twitter. And, what he know, just made? He just made, uh, what was that, Big 12 second team defense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he made the, um, the Pac-12 freshman team second team on defense, and which was cool because he transferred from Florida right before the season started. You know, he was going to go to University of Florida right. first. But they, I can't even speak on that, but they had some bullshit going on over there, so he left. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, I actually found out about that on Twitter, actually, because I was seeing people say how he handled that well as a young man. And basically, like, they was bigging you up for raising, a, a, like, a man. You know what I'm saying? Like, the situation, whatever it was, like, he handled it on his own as a man. But right before we get up out of here, let's actually talk about why we are even sitting in this room. And that would be because of the Digital Soapbox Network. How did that come about, briefly? Well, the Digital Soapbox Network started like this. I was messing with glasses with the thing up at Dash Radio. And I've always been the type of dude that I'm real business-minded. And I see stuff with it is, so I can tell when people kind of being taken advantage of. Right. I saw the thing, man, and this ain't no knock on nobody's hustle, but I saw the thing that, you know, this dude had his own app, and he had everybody in the industry over here doing shows, but they wasn't getting no kind of sponsorships for him. Yeah. Right. You know, it was like this. Well, you know, the app, mine, so if I get a sponsorship, it's for the app. You got to go hustle your own stuff, you know? I'm going to give you a place to record, and that's cool if you want to do. So I said, man, you know what? I started getting more and more to the podcast and stuff, so I bumped into Doggy Diamonds one day, and I bumped into him. We happened to start, you know, a conversation online. 
And I was like, man, I'm going to start me up a podcast network. This is crazy. I just said one day, I'm a, and I'm the type of person, if I say I'm going to do something that ain't no no roadblocks and nothing you can do to tell me it can't yeah, be done. Exactly, I don't exactly, care if I got yeah. five. I figure I came out to this motherfucker with $50 in my pocket without no luggage. I could make it through anything, right? Right. So I come out. So I, I get started doing it, man. And I partner up with Doggy Diamonds, man. And we just kind of went from there, man. And I, and that first slate of shows that we signed, man, it was all people that we was fans of, that I was a fan of. Because I was listening, you know what I mean? Right. I would listen to people, a few people that hit me up. And, you know, I did a few deals with some people I probably shouldn't have did. We ain't, we ain't those oh, people. No. You know, you know <laughs> so it was kind of like, I don't know why I signed these niggas, man. But, you know, it's like, it was all cool at the end of the day, man. So, you know, we just been going through this journey, man. Now, I think it's been a few years now, man. Yeah. And, you know, everything just has gotten better, man. You know, like from just our shows to the content that we bring in, man, right, to the right. numbers and everything. And, you know, and, and it ain't all about the numbers. I would say, man, just the content we doing, man, I'll put it up there with anybody. You know what I mean? Right. right. But let's talk about, right before we get up out of here, you executive producing The Gangster Chronicles. This is the biggest, The Gangster Chronicles is the biggest podcast out. All the other podcasts talking about it. Everybody's talking about The Gangster Chronicles, right? Mm-hmm. What made you put that together like that? Man, gotta go back to Glasses Malone again. Me and him was sitting in my living room, and he was telling me, you know, Glasses is a really intuitive guy. He's really smart. Yeah. He said, bro, people like authenticity. You know what I mean? You gotta have more podcasts, folks. Fuck that gossip shit and all that shit. You gotta have authenticity. And I said, you know what, bro? I'm gonna do a show where I'm gonna find a, a really retired gangster, a police officer, and like a psychologist. Yeah. I didn't get the psychologist quite, but I found I saw James on Vlad one day, and the light bulb went off in my head. I said, that's one of the niggas I need in the show, then Reggie. So I got them two dudes, and we went and did a pilot episode that went cool. I said, we missing that psychologist, that sociologist. And I thought about Alex Alonzo to do street TV because I looked at him, and I ran across past him a few times. So I hit him up and asked him to come as a guest on the show. And I'm the type of dude, you can't tell me no. Once you get in front of me, I'm going to convince you <laughs> right, to right. tell you, hey, man, we need to do this. And I'm going to sell it to you. I'm going to make it look like it's the biggest thing in the world, even if it ain't not nothing right now. I'm going to sell you on it. So he came as a guest on the show and been rocking on there, you ever know, since, ever man. since then, man. And um, that show, man, has done phenomenal things, man. Not just for the, you know, I would say as a network as a whole, man, because I look at it as a team. So one person's success is the next person's success right, you right. know because when you can say well what network are you on on my digital soapbox oh who is that you know the gangster oh man the gangster chronicles yeah that, but, that, that's taking the podcast world by storm man yeah but you know and then i'm gonna you know the gangster chronicles is doing their thing but then you gotta even think about crazy crazy yeah. bone show yeah i told him one day because he did we actually been a guest on it last time we was out here yeah, you know, yeah, the thing is, he rebranded this show because cause once you do this stuff for a while, you start learning as an executive producer of what's going to work because you out outside. I'm not attached to y'all show like you are. Right. I listen as a fan, but I'll tell you, like, it may be something you do, and I'll see the little spike in the metrics. i say, you know what, man, maybe we own to something right there. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know y'all own to something, man, um, with the whole connected experience thing as far as connecting two people and in 2020 we go work further on developing that and putting it out there to see how we could partner up with different things to make that bigger right. but um the thing is like and i saw something with crazy bone show i said bro you are really 
enthusiastic when you talk about um like um the religion conspiracy and stuff. stuff and religion. Yeah. That needs that needs to be your lane your right lane, there. Yeah. You don't need to do nothing talking about music because it seems like that's boring to you. Because that's what you do for a living. That's your job. Stay on this lane, do that. Same thing with James. The things I saw in James could see. It's a lot of copycat, Nick. You know, this industry of copycats. It's right. going to be somebody, I guarantee you, to get two niggas off the street and go get some cornball and try to do a fake-ass Gangsta Chronicles. That's in the mix. We already, we just don't, we haven't heard it yet, Yeah, you that, know, it, yeah. it's probably been trying to be made, but the shit didn't work because the people, it's like the thing would make them dudes, Reggie is a unique character. James is a very passionate and, like, like, um, like he's like that uncle that you have, man, that used to do wrong. Yeah. Just telling you how to do right, but he go punch you in your chest while you're telling you. You know what I mean? Right. And Alex is that dude that's just like kind of like, I don't go say a nerd. He's but just he, full of knowledge. You know, he's just, just full, full of knowledge. knowledge. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so it, it works when it comes together, man. And it was like, man, that was just like that thing because I always knew. I said, man, the thing is, if you keep walking, you're going to make it up the mountaintop eventually. Right. You just got to keep walking. You can't stop and turn around. You can't stop and say, oh, man, forget this shit. You know, it's too much work. And that's how it happened, man. It happened. And, and, you know, here we are, man. There's a lot of good shit coming up in 2020. Okay. Right, right. And on that note, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TCE Pod, at TCE Pod. If you want to be a part of the show, want to advertise with your show, just tell us some feedback and or people you might want to hear on the show. PR at T-C-O-H-H dot org. Make sure y'all go out and pre-order the book. Uh Anywhere you pre-order books, it will be on yeah, here. All you gotta do is type in Animal, Animal Instincts, Instincts the Urban Jungle. Jungle. You know what I'm saying? Well, as soon as you start typing Animal Instincts, yeah, it's an ebook, well, by the way. It's people. an ebook, but uh, that's actually not true because there's other things. That's Animal Instinct. There's movies and stuff, so you mm. gotta make sure mm. you put the Urban Jungle, okay, uh, which will be out three three twenty. We gonna make this a, a bestseller because by the end of the year next year, you know what we gonna do? Still, we gonna be inviting you to Inkster because they gonna be doing my ceremony for you know you drive places and you see. Oh. Home size of, home of. Mm-hmm. by the end of next year they will be putting that up on a, a street corner for me and Inkster home of award winning best selling author S.L. Jackson so I reserve my date for that right yeah, now bro. you will be there for that you know what I'm saying we appreciate your time bro we appreciate your time we I'm appreciate the opportunity also oh, to yeah, be yeah, a part yeah. of the network and we still going strong let's go I'm SJ I'm AJ I want for my brother what, what I, I want, want for myself, myself.